All right, so here we are. We come back now to the, the passage here. And so today we'll be, you know, we've been looking at the, uh, the wiles of the devil, the fiery darts of the wicked one. We, we talked about the uh, Satan's war uh, on our minds. And so we're, we're coming back to a similar or something that's, that's in that category today. And then um, over the next couple of weeks, we will now move into the more positive side of uh, how to combat all of this. So in the next two weeks, we'll look at the armor of God. So that'll be next Sunday, the following Sunday, we'll do two parts on the armor of God. And then, uh, and then Easter will be upon us and we'll have our Easter service. And then the following week, we will uh, have a, a teaching on prayer because that's kind of the final component in the armor of God. And then the following week, we will actually finish the book, uh, the epistle to the Ephesians, which will bring us to about um, maybe 16, 17 months in the book. So we've been, we've been in Ephesians for quite a while. So all of that to say, be praying for me uh, that God will just give me clear direction on where we go from here. I've got some ideas, but you know, just trying to sort of seek the Lord and get just that, that word. I was absolutely confident that Ephesians was where we were to go. And I wanna have that same confidence as we move forward. So uh, looking forward to that. So we come to temptation today. And I've, I've entitled the message, The Tempter and Temptation. Satan's most notorious activity is that of tempting mankind. I mean, when we think of the devil, well, we normally think of him as the tempter. That's just the, I think for most people, that's the thing that immediately comes into the mind. Now, temptation is the solicitation to do evil. The solicitation to do evil. That's what temptation is. And it is the common experience of all people, whether you are a Christian or not. Everybody's tempted. The devil tempts all people. But he is especially targeting Christians. He puts forth extra effort in tempting Christians because he knows that if he can bring down a Christian, he can to some degree discredit the church and bring reproach to the name of the Lord. And that, that's really what he wants to do. He wants to uh, see Christians stumble. He wants to see Christians fall into sin so he can then point to them and say, check this out. Look at these Christian people. Yep, you're right. They're all hypocrites. Look at them. They said one thing and they do something else. And that is part of his agenda. It's part of his program. And so that's one of the reasons why he tempts us. Another reason Satan will tempt you is simply because he hates you and he wants to destroy you. The devil is nobody's friend. You know, you've, occasionally you find some person here or there, you know, say, well, you know, I've made a, I've made a pact with the devil. You know, he's, he's a friend of mine, you know. Hey, the devil has no friends. Uh, the devil hates everyone equally. He wants to destroy everyone equally. He hates God primarily. So anything God loves, the devil hates. And guess what? God loves you. So the devil hates you. And therefore, he's going to try to destroy you by tempting you and getting you into sin because sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. 
James reminds us of that in his epistle, James 1.15. When Peter referred to Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, he was no doubt thinking about Satan's activity in tempting men. A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The, the picture there is obviously a very destructive one. Uh, John Phillips wrote, uh, he's a Christian speaker, author, writer. He wrote a commentary on Ephesians. And in his commentary, he gave a graphic picture of what this temptation looks like. Let me read it to you. He said, Satan has been studying human nature ever since man was created. Satan helped forge fallen human nature. He is a master psychologist. One person he assaults with the lust of the flesh, another the lust of the eye, someone else with the pride of life. The lust of appetite, the love of applause, and the lure of ambition are among the host of darts Satan uses to kindle fierce fires in our souls. He knows our weaknesses and strengths. He sends his legion of evil spirits to titillate our senses, inflame our desires, corrupt our souls, weaken our wills, deceive our minds, deaden our consciences, and distort God's truth. Satan has a thousand wiles and he never gives up. He never gives up. This is his, this is what he does. And he does it 24 seven, 365 days a year, year after year, decade after decade, century after century. This is what he does. This is what we are faced with. So with death and destruction as the aim of the tempter, we cannot take temptation lightly. This is where we have to realize oh, we really are in a battle and it's a battle for our souls. And so there are three things that we need to, the, that we need to do in relation to this. Number one, we need to be able to recognize temptation. We need to be able to, to realize that this is what is happening. And then secondly, we need to do our best to avoid temptation. And then thirdly, we need to know how to overcome temptation. So those are our three points that we're gonna look at. First of all, recognizing temptation. Let me say this, temptation in and of itself is not sin. Sometimes we get confused and we think because we're being tempted that we're sinning. But that, that's not the case. You can be tempted, you can be sorely tempted, you can be uh, pressed on by the enemy. And you can even have uh, impulses, internal impulses corresponding to that that are sort of, you know, seemingly wanting to push you in a certain direction. But as long as you resist that, if you're not, if you're not surrendering to it, you're not sinning. You're just under uh, a real, in, in the case like I just described, be like just a severe type of a temptation. But just know that up front. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. Now, in recognizing temptation, we've, we've got to realize this. Temptation is often subtle. See, the devil, he's, he's subtle. He likes to, he likes to stay uh, behind the scenes. He quite often disguises himself so well that we don't even realize his involvement. 
He hides in the shadows, so to speak. He works behind the scenes. Uh, he pulls strings and he, he manipulates situations. But he oftentimes, most of the time, uh, tries to just stay out of the way so we don't recognize what's happening. Now, you know, really, the moment you recognize that this, this is the devil, then you're suddenly like, on, you're on alert. You're like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go for that. So he, he tries to keep us from that. Now, another thing that he does in that regard is he comes oftentimes in, in our minds or even sometimes it can happen through uh, uh, another person even, but he comes at times as, as a concerned friend. He comes as sort of a sympathetic voice. Think of Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's exactly what, what happens there. Uh, the devil comes to Eve in the garden and he, he says to her, he says, has God said that you can't eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden? You know, well, why would he say that? That doesn't really seem fair. I, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but... But that's really what the devil was saying. He was saying, look, you know, God's, God's holding back something good from you. I'm, I'm here to sympathize with you over that. I'm here to, to just say that, you know, you, you deserve more. God knows that if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like him. He, he doesn't want you to be like him. He's trying to keep you back from something good. And so it is with the devil. He'll come along and he will bring those suggestions to us, sometimes just thoughts in our head. But again, sometimes a, a person can be uh, the instrument, just like the serpent was the instrument there in the garden. But he used the same approach with Jesus in the wilderness. And we read about that together. So he comes, and in essence, what Satan's doing there in the wilderness, he comes to Jesus and he's like, wait, he, you're the son of God? What are, you, what are you doing out here starving to death? This isn't right. You deserve more than this. What, how come your father's not allowing you to eat? Here, take these stones and turn them into bread. You see, he comes as a sympathizer. I'm concerned for your welfare. I, I'm, I, I, I'm your friend. Here, let, let me... Let me tell you that you deserve to satisfy yourself. You, you deserve more than you're getting. So he, he comes oftentimes in that kind of fashion. <clears throat> like a seasoned angler who knows just the right bait. Satan knows our areas of weakness and he tempts us accordingly. He knows our areas of weakness because he spent all of human history observing human behavior. And he studies us and he develops a strategy that he wants to use against us that's, that's, that's fashioned uh, specifically for us. And so uh, he will come with something that's just perfectly fit for where you're at. 
Now, sometimes he appears as an angel of light. I read the fascinating story of a, a guy that I, I met and gotten to be friends with a little bit. Um, is the story of uh, Frank Sontag. Frank's uh, currently now, he's the host of a talk show on KKLA, the Christian station in, in Los Angeles. <coughs> but Frank came out of a, um, a whole new age background. He was just deeply involved in uh, just all of the new age stuff, uh, you know, de- dealing with... Um, crystals and spirits and channeling and, and all. He was really, really immersed in that. But he got into it as a result of a motorcycle accident that led him to start asking questions about, you know, what, what is life really all about? He had a bad experience as a kid uh, growing up in, in the church. So he figured there's not, you know, the church doesn't have anything for me. And then he, he starts listening to this guy on the radio who's talking about this, this new age thing. And, and all of a sudden, boom, he's connected. Like, wow, this is the answer. Finding the God within and all of that. And that's a a good current example of a, uh, the way Satan will come as an angel of light. You're, you're looking for something spiritual in your life. You're, you're realizing that the whole material thing isn't doing it for you. So you want to, you want to get something spiritual. Well, the enemy will come along and he'll present a spirituality to you, but it's a false, uh, spirituality. So he will come sometimes as an angel of light. He might come as, uh, a damsel in distress, for us men. Oh, here's a, a, a young, vulnerable uh, gal that just needs a, somebody to listen and somebody to maybe help out or something. And, but behind all of that, he's, he's looking to, to seduce people. And it works both ways, of course, because he can also come as a knight in shining armor. Suddenly, here's this dashing man that, that steps into your life. Maybe it's uh, somebody you just meet out in the community, maybe it's somebody you work with or something like that, and they're giving you attention and they, they seem to be so kind and gracious and you got this, this jerky and considerate husband back at home and man, this guy is so, well, hey, wake up. There's something going on behind the scenes here. This is the kind of thing the enemy does. Sometimes it's the solution to your financial problems. It's like, here, look at this. Nobody's going to know that you take this, and this is going to be so helpful for you if you do that. So he's got a variety uh, of things. Sometimes it's, it's the answer to your poor self-image. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, though temptation is sometimes difficult to recognize because of the subtlety of it, and because, as I said, Satan is hiding behind the scenes, Though it is sometimes difficult to recognize, you can be sure you're being tempted whenever you're faced with a situation that would lead you to rationalize, compromise, or in any way disobey the word of God. You see, whenever you're in a situation, and like I said, maybe you're not realizing at the moment that this is temptation, but suddenly you're starting to rationalize what you're about to do and well, I know that the Bible says this, but it, I don't think it really means that. I think it, I think it allows that you're, you're rationalizing. And what's happening is you're being tempted. You have to realize that. 
or when a situation arises where, well, you know, God understands and you, you can give a little bit here. It'll, it'll be okay. That's a compromise. That's a temptation. And then, of course, more blatantly would just be these uh, situations that arise where we um, are being tempted to just flat out disobey the word of God. So recognizing temptation is the first step to having victory over it. But secondly, uh, we need to do our best to avoid temptation. Now, I say that, but the reality is we can never completely avoid temptation because we're not the ones that are in control of that. You know, I, I can't stop the devil from tempting me. He's going to do that, and, uh, you know, that, that because... As we said, that's just part of what he does. So I can never completely avoid temptation, but we need to make sure that we're not putting ourselves in places or situations that will lead us into temptation. Look, we don't want to give the devil any help. Uh, he's plenty capable on his own. We don't want to assist him in any way. So we need to be careful that we are not putting ourselves in uh, a vulnerable place. We need to have a realistic view of ourselves. See, people get themselves into trouble because they put themselves in positions where they can stumble and fall, and they often do that because they're not willing to admit the vulnerability that they have. They think, oh, well, you know, hey, that's not going to bother me. No, I'm above that. I'm stronger than that. I'm better than that. I can handle that. The minute you start thinking that way, you're on your way to a fall. Paul said to the Corinthians, if any man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. So the moment I think that I am above some kind of thing, I'm already on my way down. The enemy's got, he's got me in a, in a um, hold right there. So we, we have to recognize that. We have to have a realistic view of ourselves. This means recognizing our weaknesses and staying away from those things that pose a special problem for you. See, God expects us to, to do that. He expects us to use our minds. Now, uh, let me just go through a few things. If you've had a struggle with sexual sin, which many people have, then you need to do everything you can to avoid any situation that's going to cause you to stumble. You don't want to put yourself in a, a vulnerable place. It might mean staying away from a certain person. So often when people fall into sexual sin, it, it's pretty clear how it happened. Uh, oh yeah, well, you know, we went back to the apartment and it was late and uh, well, you know, I was tired and decided not to go home. And then one thing led to, and then, you know, there you are, you're in, you're in sexual sin. So you need to not put yourself in things like that. So sometimes a certain person or a group of people, uh, it could mean avoiding certain sources of, of entertainment, perhaps. Um, maybe certain films or programs on the TV or the internet. It might even be uh, the magazine rack in a convenience store. Or maybe uh, it's not just convenience stores where they have those kinds of magazines, right? But you have to recognize where you're 
vulnerable because the enemy knows where you're vulnerable and he's going to try to get you there. So if it's been a sexual thing, then that, that's what you got to do. If you've had a struggle with alcohol or drug-related issues, then you need to avoid people, places, or situations that could put you into a compromise. You know, it's, it's sort of just common sense, right? If you've had a, an alcohol problem, you, you don't go hang out in a bar. You just don't do it. You just recognize, you now certain places are off limits and, and in some cases too, certain people are off limits because when I'm with those people, that's what I would tend to do. So you, you have to withdraw from that. You have to disengage from that. Anything that could lead you to compromise, you need to stay away from. Maybe you've struggled with more subtle issues like pride, self-righteousness, self-centeredness. Again, those are sins as well. And, and what we need to do is we need to be careful not to feed that. So we need to stay away from, in that kind of a case, um, things that will lend themselves to those sinful attitudes. You know, Jesus told us that we are to pray to God, lead us not into temptation. So we pray and ask God not to lead us into temptation. We need to make sure that we're not leading ourselves into temptation. That's what we're talking about. But like I said, the enemy, he's, he's gonna go after the areas that we're weak in. I have a friend who had struggled with uh, lust and you know, looking at things that he shouldn't be looking at. And I'll, I'll tell you how the devil works in these kinds of ways. He, he was on his way, he had a, a devotional time in, in the mornings and he would go to a particular place to have his devotions. And as he was going there that morning to spend time in the word and prayer, he's got his Bible in his hand, he's on his way there and he, he walks past a trash can and he's got to throw something in it. So he, you know, he throws something in and just sort of inadvertently looks into the trash can and there lo and behold, there's a, there's a pornographic magazine right there staring him in the face. It's like, hey, pick this up, check this out. And, and this, this was an area where he had a vulnerability. He was struggling. Do you see how ruthless Satan is? He's on his way to pray and seek God and the devil just throws this in his path. We have to be wise. We have to be careful. I was talking to a, a young guy recently and I was actually joking with him because he has this totally archaic, outdated flip phone and I was harassing him about that because he's an otherwise, you know, real savvy tech guy and he's a musician and he's a filmmaker and he's all this and he's got this dumb phone. And, you know, like, why, why do you have that phone? And I was teasing him about it. And all of a sudden he says to me, he says, well, yeah, I used to have a uh, an iPhone, of course, he said, but I found that, you know, I, I struggled with some lust and that was, so I got rid of it and I got this dumb flip phone. Yes, it's stupid, but it protects me. It keeps me from that kind. And I, and I thought, wow, that's, that's the kind of thing he's thinking. He's, he's, he's doing what we're talking about here. And so sometimes those are the things that we have to do. Things that are maybe more convenient, but yet if, if they're causing us 
to stumble, we've got to deal with that in whatever way we can. So, recognizing temptation, avoiding temptation, uh, the best we can, not, not uh, you know, putting ourselves in those vulnerable places, but then we come to overcoming temptation. Now, the, the only good news about temptation really is that we can overcome it. Now, the interesting thing, you know, God allows us to be tempted. He doesn't tempt us. We're told <coughs> specifically that God is not tempted with evil, nor, nor does he tempt anyone. But every person is tempted when they're led away by their own lust. So, so know this, God, God does not tempt us. But he does allow us to be tempted. And there's two things that happen in, in temptation. There's the opportunity to show our love for God. We say that we love God. And oftentimes what temptation is, is it's really the opportunity to put something above God. So God allows that. Do, do we really love him? We say we love him. Well, do we really love him? Well, here's an opportunity to test and see. But the other thing that happens is that we, we get strengthened when we pass victoriously through temptation. We, uh, it's like we become um, better fighters spiritually. We, we become, uh, the more you live and, and you go through temptations and you, you, know, you have your struggles and difficulties and your falls, but then victories and the more victories you have, you become like a, a seasoned warrior. And you become stronger. And so God uses these things also to strengthen us. But God's word tells us that victory is possible. It is not just possible, it's God's desire for us. The apostle John, in his first letter, he said, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. John says, I write these things to you so you may not sin. But you know, the same thing can be said of the, of the Bible in its entirety. God's given us his word to show us what sin is and through his word to strengthen us so we don't sin. David said, I, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So God's given us his word in order that we can grow and be strengthened and have that victory over sin. Now, when John says, uh, I write these things to you that you may not sin, he's, he's not referring to a sinless perfection. We never come to a place where we're perfectly sinless in this life. But what he's talking about is the increasing victory over those attitudes and behaviors that bind us up, keep us back from all that God has for us and dishonor Christ our Savior. You know, there's never gonna be a day when I look back over the day and say, wow, this was a perfect day. I never sinned at all today, unfortunately. But that's the reality. As long as we're in these bodies of flesh, you know, I, I'll, I mean, I can lay down at night and say, you know, thank God I didn't intentionally sin today. Thank God I didn't transgress today. 
because that's the kind of victory we can have. But, uh, you know, if I stop and think, well, my thoughts here and my, I probably shouldn't have said that the way I said it or whatever, uh, those are the things. But John, so John's not talking about that kind of sinless perfection, but he is talking about a consistent victory that, again, honors Christ and, and keeps us in that place where God can do all that he wants to do in our lives. So James tells us how to obtain this victory in James 4, verses 7 and 8. And this is what he said. He said, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So let's just walk through those steps. Number one, submit to God. So this is the path to victory over temptation, submission to God. Victory begins with total submission to God. If I'm sort of playing around with my spiritual life, if I'm not really committed to Christ, if I haven't made a a real sincere commitment to him of, of submitting my life, then it's gonna be difficult, if not impossible, to be victorious over sin. Jesus has got to be the Lord of our lives. So that's where it starts, submit to God. But then he says, resist the devil. Resist him. We, you see, we're in a, a battle. We have, to, we have to put forth resistance. We, we have to push back. The enemy pushes against us. We have to push back against him. So resisting means that we stand in faith on the word of God against the temptations that Satan brings our way. And that's exactly what we saw Jesus doing in the passage in Matthew that we read together today. Did you see how every time Satan comes with a temptation, Jesus responds back to him with the word of God. And and what he's doing there is he's modeling for us. Now, I, I want to point this out to you. Jesus had victory over Satan, not as, not as a divine being, but as a human being. When Jesus resisted the devil in the wilderness, he wasn't resisting him as God. He wasn't saying, Satan, get out of here. I'm God. I could just obliterate you any second. He wasn't acting in, in his divinity, he's acting in his humanity. And so he's giving us a, a picture of how we as human beings as well can combat the devil and have victory over him. So what did Jesus do when he was tempted? Well, the tempter comes and remember he says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. What does Jesus do? He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread only. You see, the response corresponds directly to the temptation. Devil says, ah, take these stones from the bread. Jesus says, oh, but it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan was defeated, but he comes back again and listen to him this time. If you are the son of God, cast yourself down for it is written. Can you believe that? The devil, the audacity of the devil to quote the Bible back to Jesus. Did you know the devil knows the Bible? He knows it better than we do. (laughs) And he will use it at times. He will 
quote it to us just like that. And of course, whenever he's, whenever the devil's quoting to you the Bible, know that there's a problem. And know that he's twisting it in some way. That he's trying to get you to misapply it in some way. But of course, Jesus knows that. And so Satan comes back with, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus says, oh yes, but it is also written. See, this is why it's important for us to have a good, thorough knowledge of God's word. This is why we have to immerse ourselves in the word. Because sometimes the devil will try to use God's word. Well, after all, didn't God say this? You know, I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago and they were telling me, and I, I've heard this a million times, but it was just, it's just kind of funny that I was hearing it again. Uh, they were talking about someone who's, you know, just so insistent that smoking weed is good with God because God made all the herbs of the field and he said they're all good. So don't try to tell me that smoking weed's bad. And... You know, I just think, okay, this is, hey, you know, here he is. He's quoting the Bible. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says smoke weed. <laughs> no, the Bible doesn't say smoke weed. Yeah, everything was good when God originally created it, but something happened. There was a fall. And there's a bunch of things that you can smoke that aren't good. There's a bunch of things that you can eat that aren't good. <clears throat> so we, we've got to be wiser than the devil. So Jesus comes back. It, you, know, you miss this, Satan. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then, finally, the devil comes and he takes Jesus onto this high mountain. He show, shows them all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory in an instant. And what does he say to him? He says, all these kingdoms I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So each time Satan came with the temptation, Jesus countered with the word of God. That's exactly what we are to do. That's how we combat the devil when it comes to these kinds of things. And you know, it's interesting because remember the passage that we looked at there in James that we're considering, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. What happened after this? The devil fled. He fled. Now it does say that he fled for uh, a season. He was looking for an opportune time to return. And he did return. And he will return in our situation over and over again. But, you know, we will have those victories and the devil will flee. Uh, but he's going to come back. But we've got to stay fit spiritually. We've got to stay in the word. We've got to stay ready and equipped for those moments that he does come. Now, as we close, I want to remind you of a few things from scripture, again, that we can apply when the enemy comes and tempts us. So when Satan tempts you to revert to your old habits, which is often what he does, doesn't he? He comes along and he says, oh yeah, you think you're a Christian, but you know, no, this is who you really are. And this is 
how you feel and this is how you've always behaved and this is what you've uh, traditionally done. And uh, so he's, he's wanting to uh, see you go back into those old behavioral patterns and habits. How do we resist them? Well, we resist them with the truth. Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. When the devil comes with that kind of reasoning, we say, no, I'm not going there because I'm no longer that person. I'm a new creation. Those old things, yeah, that's what I used to do. That's what I used to be. That's how I used to behave. But I'm no longer going to do that because I am a new creation in Christ and old things have passed away. Everything has become new. A similar idea in Romans 6, 11 and 12 Paul says, likewise, you also consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. So when the temptation comes along, Paul says, you consider this truth, you're dead to that. You're dead to sin. You're alive to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah, I used to be alive to sin, but now I'm dead to sin. And we have to stand on those truths. We have to resist the temptation with that firmly under our feet. No, I'm a new creation. No, I, I, um, I'm, I'm dead to sin. When Satan tempts you with... Uh, Sexual immorality, perhaps, or, or to go back to substance abuses and things of that nature, things that are forbidden by God. We resist him with 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. There, Paul says this, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. So you see, when, that, when the sexual temptation comes or the temptation to put substances into your body that God has prohibited, say, wait a second, I can't do that. This is not my body. See, I used to do it with this body, but now this body's been redeemed. This body was bought at a price. The, the blood of God's son purchased my body. It's no longer mine to do with as I please. It's his so what I am to do now because he's purchased my body is I am to glorify him in my body and in my spirit, which belong to him. So as James said, then submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God. And this is what we need to do. When we are being tempted Flee, flee the temptation and run to God. Run to God. If you, if you have to literally run, then you literally run. Just like Joseph had to run out of the house of Potiphar because Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him and pull him into an adulterous situation and, Joseph, and she would not take no for an answer. Joseph ran from the house. And... In the New Testament, when Paul says, flee youthful lust, and when James says, uh, talks about fleeing here, 
the, no doubt that picture uh, was in their minds. So there are times we, we flee, but we flee into the arms of God. We run to God. We run to his word. We run to him in prayer. We ask him to help us. We take our refuge in him. We turn away from that thing that's tempting us and trying to pull us in, and we turn to God. You know, sometimes it's as simple as you don't stay home at night and get into whatever you're watching that's getting you in trouble. You get out and you get to church. You get with God's people. You get with other believers. You get, you get with them and you pray. You see, this is what we have to do. Resist the devil. Stand on God's word. And the great promise is Satan will flee. He will flee. And when he comes back around, just do it again. Because that's just, well, that's what we're involved in. But God has the victory for us. It's ours for the taking. Let's take it. Lord, we thank you for these promises. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth and lived as a human being and experienced the temptation yourself and overcame the devil as a man, as a man filled with the Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you've provided us with that filling of the Spirit so we, as men and women, can obtain the victory as well. And so, Lord, help us. And I pray specifically for anyone today that's just, maybe they're right in the thick of temptation. Maybe it's right there. It's, it's just staring them in the face. And Lord, you brought them here today and you, you brought forth this message for the very purpose of showing them the way out. And so help them, Lord, to take that. Help them to recognize all that's at stake. Help them to recognize the destructive motivation of the devil behind this temptation and help them to resist. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one who is uh, our protector. You're the one that strengthened us. And Lord, you're the one that's given us victory and calls us to walk in victory. Help us to do that, we pray. Amen.